What up, guys? All right, have I got an amazing episode for you today. Back by popular demand is my girl, Tracy Tudor. In case you don't know who Tracy Tudor is, she is the freaking badass celebrity agent on Million Dollar Listings LA. And guys, she's not about mincing words, playing small, or allowing anyone to intimidate her. She literally wrote a book called The Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, and she has zero problems standing up for herself. And today, we talk about how to put an end to the disrespect when you haven't set limits and your closest friends take it just too damn far. We also talk about the need to either stand up for yourself or just accept that lines will be crossed, feelings will be hurt, and relationships may be damaged. She calls out all the women that say they're there to support other women, but are actually the first ones to cut other women down. And she also explains what life after divorce, betrayal, and utter heartbreak looks like, and how it can actually push you to grow and become a freaking badass. If this episode brought you value, please do give our podcast a follow or a share and tell your home about it it's really the best way to support the podcast is to tell your friends to share it to review to rate it so we can continue to make global freaking impact for women and bring out their inner freaking badasses now without further ado let's dive in with my girl tracy tutor and candidly the shit had risen to the top and it was flowing over and that's what made me promptly sort of say enough You know, when you have a long-standing relationship with a close friend or obviously even a family member, you have a tolerance for them because unconditional love works that way, right? You, you just, you are willing to take them for who they are. And that means the good and the bad. And, you know, in particular with Flag, who I love dearly and is like family to me, um, there are certain things that I have put up with over the years in terms of his inability to, for example, ask me about myself. Um, much of our relationship was very one-sided, but because I know him so intimately and because he comes from such a good place, these are certain things that I was kind of willing to look over and be like, all right, he's a little selfish. It's, it's very typical flag. And the little nitpicking over the course of the last couple of years of him pretending not to know my daughter's names and walking into my house like it's his own, going into my refrigerator, bossing around my staff, being dismissive of people. I finally hit my breaking point when he very casually called my daughter in jest a fucking see you next Tuesday. And I have a different relationship with that word than than mm. probably a lot of women. The word in and of itself doesn't really bother me. I mean, Brits use it casually. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, so I don't have like that that's like an unforgivable word. My challenge with that word is you don't, you don't speak to a 16-year-old girl that way as an adult. It's just not appropriate. And you don't speak to your friend's kids that way. And you don't speak to me that way. Mm. So... When I lashed out at him, it was a buildup of a variety of different things that have happened to me by virtue of taking it. So, like, I have to take accountability for letting those little things consistently slide for a period of two years. And while they were building up for me internally, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think the audience understood it as as something that was just unto itself. This was an event that happened between two friends and Tracy, you need to forgive him. 
And of course I forgave him um, after, you know, a lot of conversation and a lot of talking. But the truth is there's a lot more to it. And I don't think that any of us get the confidence to confront people that are close to us without having a history of sort of repeating itself where we take a lot of shit. And candidly, the shit had risen to the top and it was flowing over. And that's what made me promptly sort of say enough. And, and it felt, it, it was emotional. It was authentic. I take none of it back. And I think it ultimately changed our relationship for the better. Wow, girl, thank you for breaking that down. And the ownership part is such a powerful part because it's not like you're blaming yourself, but you're taking accountability. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really, t um, A, allows you to recognize where maybe we may be um, accepting bad behavior in other relationships and like calling ourselves on it. Is this okay? Yes or no? Um, and then also in that whole story, I love that you said that you, just, you didn't just like forgive him immediately because he said he was sorry because you've got this history. Um, I believe you actually said to him, sorry only counts when you actually change your behavior. Oh, 100%. And, and like I said, you know, so many times when we have these types of disagreements with someone that's close to us and, and boundaries crossed, more often than not, it's not the first time, right? There are little sort of buildups that lead you to the place where you finally can't take it anymore. And that was my last straw, but it ultimately made me re-examine how I fumbled in the relationship as well. It's, he believed that that's just the nature of our friendship, that we poke at each other and we have fun, and we do. But if you don't define limits on what's acceptable and what's not, then yeah, those types of things are going to happen and eventually someone's going to cross a line that you might not be able to come back from. So after mm -hmm. the event... And after a lot of soul searching and a lot of conversations between him and I, I did forgive him. But it made me, of course, you know, analyze how I allowed it to get to that place and why I accepted sort of mini bad behaviors along the way um, because of his own insecurities or because how I sort of care took him a little bit. And, you know, that's my part in it as well. And those are things that, you know, I have to look at and I have to make sure that if I want to set boundaries with someone, I don't get to set them after I've already screwed up along the way with like fuzzy lines. And then all of a sudden I decide to draw a line in the sand. And that's my piece of the puzzle that I had to figure out for myself. Oh, dude, that's so powerful. I had a quote once. It was something like um, a fuzzy target is um, impossible to hit. Mm. And I actually like that. It reminded me when you were saying boundaries. It's like, if you're not actually clear on your boundaries, how do you expect someone to actually hold to them and actually know what they are if you're fuzzy on them as well? Yeah, I mean, if you don't define them and you're kind of like, you know, I assume you understand. You mm -hmm. shouldn't speak mm -hmm. to me that way. You'd be surprised how many people will run amok. I have teenagers, for crying out loud. So, like, they test boundaries all the time. And so I'm very clear with them on what my line is in the sand. But... In adult relationships, in business and in personal relationships, um, more so in personal, I think that we do get a little bit fuzzy because we love the person mm -hmm. and we take the good and the bad. But that doesn't mean we, we can't have a moment where we say, okay, time to reevaluate. Where did I go wrong? How did I fuck up? And what can I do? Because it shouldn't even have gotten to that place where that, that, that becomes a joke. Mm. Calling someone's children or someone's, you know, boyfriend or husband, uh, effing see you next Tuesday is not acceptable on any level. And it never should be. That's not a joke. That was not 
produced for television. That was 100% (laughs) me at my limit, losing my shit and saying enough is enough. Yeah. And because, in fact, if you don't mind me uh, talking about the boundaries you set for your client, if they were disrespectful and how you approach that, because I think that would be a great juxtaposition for us to hear how you just explained your relationship um, with Flag and then... I think the, the dynamic, be, uh, be, we have repeat clients, obviously, and the more we work with them, the more we have a personal relationship with them. But typically, when I meet a new client, I set those boundaries out of the gate. Here's, here's what you can expect from me. Here are the things that I'm committing to doing for you and with you. And here I'm available to you at a moment's notice between the hours of 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. Nothing is so urgent in what we do for a living that there needs to be a phone call after 9 p.m. at night. I already am available to my clients much longer than a typical attorney or a doctor would be um, or anybody that is an entrepreneur. Um, And at some point, I have to shut it off. So I make that stuff known out of the gate and that those expectations are set. Earlier in my career, I didn't do that. I was like, I'm available 24-7. You call me at 1 o'clock in the morning, I will pick up. Um, I don't do that anymore because I find it doesn't service them, and it sure as hell doesn't service me. If I don't have time to sort of reset in the evenings, um, then I can't be my best self at 7 a.m. when they actually do need me and when we're in actually during business hours where we can actually get something accomplished other than complain to one another. So I'm very clear with my clients out of the gates about setting parameters on what they can, what their expectations are and what I can deliver. Can I ask you one more thing about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guarantee it. They respect you even more because you set those boundaries when you first start. Absolutely. Like, for example... Because I am on a TV show, when I go out on a listing appointment from time to time, they know me from the TV show, and they might say, well, we're looking to have you represent us solely. I will sit, I will come to the listing appointment with either my co-listing partner and or my director of operations and say, here's the team for you. I cannot be in 10 places at once. I currently have 15 listings on the market north of $5 million in Los Angeles. So there is going to be times where we need to get a client into your house and I'm going to be booked. And if that's the case, these are the people that are going to be there for you during that time. And I set that expectation on the front end so that they understand it. Question then, do you... So you thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. And now... Do you set those types of boundaries with your friends and with your partners? And <laughs> I'm much better at setting boundaries professionally than I am personally. I mean, I think we could all agree that that's a little bit more challenging. Our relationships personally have um, so much more important, emotional important to us, um, to our, our us thriving. And so... Well, I'm willing to sometimes accept a lot less, and that's the journey that I'm on. And and again, that's why boundaries can be crossed and you can come back from them. But, you know, I'm working on that consistently. I know that's, um, you know, a struggle of mine, um, defining boundaries within my person, what I'm willing to accept from my boyfriend, my ex-husband, what my expectations are of my kids, 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I work on it every day. So thank you for being so honest because I think dude, you're such a freaking badass and people are going to be like, Oh my God, it's so easy for you. you. You look so confident. You look so straightforward. Like I can say this to anybody. And it's so damn important for people to hear. No, no, no. I work on this every day. No, 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 no. It is easy actually for me in the business now, but it's still difficult in the personal life. And I can only freaking relate, girl. I'm, it's really easy for me to make decisions, to be a boss, to like really lead in business. Mm. The second it comes to my personal life, I'm like, what do you want? Oh, I don't know where to eat. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, and I'm so indecisive and I'm like, yeah. what the hell? It's so weird how, our pers- uh, maybe our strength or our personalities when it comes to business, we can be very regimented. But once you bring in the heart, I think as women, we just really do care. And so we can't help but have those ever so slightly sometimes blend together. Well, and it's difficult, I think, In and tell me if you experience this as well. But for me, again, the business piece and being the boss and making decisions comes a little bit easier. I think because of the nature of falling on my face so many times to get to where I am today and now having that success and that confidence that, you know, yeah, I had it when I was born, but I built on that and, and I'm 47 years old. So, you know, when I talk to younger generations about building confidence, I'm like, learn from my mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? So being that I am where I am today, there is a part of me that goes from professional to personal. And I kind of want to like someone else to be the boss. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of don't want to make as many decisions. And maybe that's a part of me that's just exhausted. And they're, you know, a part of innately my personality is maybe I kind of, there's a part of me that wants to take a little, not a backseat, but just rest my weary, you know, <laughs> head for a minute. And, and, you know, I'm a strong personality and I don't typically come with, with, or am attracted to someone with a weak personality. So in my personal relationships, that can be difficult because they're like, well, wait a minute. Like, are you the boss? Are you not the boss? Are we equal? Like, what the fuck is going on with you? And I'm like, I just wish that you would take the reins for once and, and, and run the show here. Oh, dude, this is so freaking important because um, I love this. Being freaking strong, independent, knowing what you want, going after your dreams, crushing your goals, and still looking to somebody else is like, yeah, I actually want you to lead. To me, it's strength. It yeah. isn't a fucking sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength that you go, I don't need to always lead to feel amazing. I can absolutely feel amazing with having someone else lead. And you know what? Right now, it's actually the decision I think is best for me. That is such a big sign of strength. And I think we need to keep echoing that yeah. because we do think of it as I think the, the outside world anyway thinks of it as a sign of weakness. And I think it's trapping us women because we're not able to say, I just want to rest. Like, I am exhausted. I because we can rest. be, because we can be looked at, like, you know, someone like your personality or my personality, when we want to take that break, it's like, oh, she's, she's a boss and she's so confident, but she's, this is a farce. And the reality mm. is it's not. It's, it's, it's understanding and being confident enough to stand on your own two feet and, and make a choice to say, I'm going to, I'm going to take a back seat on this one. You run with this. That doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't mean anything, but it can be confusing to the people around us because, you know, for example, my boyfriend's expectation is I'm running the show all of the time. As um, in you. Mm-hmm. In but all facets mm. of my life. So sometimes I'll find that he has a, a challenge with like finding a moment where 
I'm not doing Tracy 10.0, you know, and, and obviously that's, that's a part of who I am organically, authentically, and I get it. Like it's, and so when I get frustrated and I'm like, I'm tired, you make a plan for us to go somewhere for the weekend. If that's what you want, I don't have time. And he's like, I don't know why you're frustrated with me. And the truth is I'm not frustrated. I just wish you could see the layers of of me saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to to step into this and and take control of the situation and let me let me take a rest. And that's very difficult, I think, for the people that love us to understand when's when's her time? When is she backing out of this equation? And that I think is what makes it difficult to be with a woman like myself because you never know when you're supposed to be on or off or go along for the ride or take control of that ride. Yeah. So actually, I wouldn't mind if you wouldn't mind talking about your ex-husband and what um, ended up happening there, because I've heard you say that he was gaslighting you and blaming you that the reason why your marriage was ending was because you were just working too much. Yeah. I want to lead with, we've come a long way since Mm -hmm. then. And of course, I think the reason... I get asked about this a lot is because only very recently have I talked publicly about what happened in my marriage. I spent the better part of five years keeping that very personal and close to the vest because I have children and the kids now are very aware and very, they're astute and they probably knew all along, but it was, it was a choice that Jason and I both made to protect them. That said, I came out with it and spoke publicly, and now people really do want to know. And the truth is, he did gaslight me. And there was narcissistic behavior on his part, you know, with the gaslighting, and and he's done a lot of work on himself since then, and I think has made a lot of changes for the better. But in those moments, when you go through something like that, and you're in a relationship, whether it's for five years or 15 years, like mine, Um, there's so much betrayal and there's so much to recover from. And I think in terms of moving forward and making the decision to finally um, file for divorce, again, it was my last straw. It wasn't the Mm. first time, you know, again, I talked to you about the fuzzy boundaries. Um, You know, there are certain things that I accepted over the years because I felt till death do you part. Right? Like traditionally, that's how we were raised. When you sign on the dotted line in this contract we call marriage, that's what we're committing to. And I really wholeheartedly believe that until all of a sudden I fucking didn't. And that was after, you know, probably five years of I think both Jason and I being not a hundred percent committed to the marriage and happy mm. did, uh, you know, obviously an affair eventually happen. And that was my final straw of saying, I'm ready to file. And the recovery from that betrayal was very difficult for me. And it took a lot of years and a lot of girlfriends to kind of reset what that looks like. But the truth is, um, you know, It's about, in my opinion now, I'm redefining how I look at relationships, how I look at marriage, what that means to me, what I'm willing to accept, what I think, what I'm willing to tolerate, what I'm not willing to tolerate, and how do I look at that whole institution? Hmm. 
And the truth is, I believe still in the institution of marriage, but I think there's different versions of it. I don't think the standard, you know, in sickness and in health, till death do you part, you know, above everything else is the way to look at marriage. I think it puts women in a situation where, and men in a situation where you're forced to stay in something because you signed up for this tradition that you don't necessarily want to be in. And I think if we can open up our mindset about how we define marriage and how we look at the relationship, then I think we're going to be a lot happier in the marriages that we're in Mm -hmm. and a lot freer with how we're able to analyze whether or not we want to stay in them any longer. But, you know, I, I, uh, I do work hard and I expect that that's not going to get in the way and it shouldn't get in the way of having a healthy and happy relationship. And I still firmly believe that. But it's about us redefining how we look at our relationships personally. That's the only way to, I think, have a successful relationship as a woman that is an entrepreneur and in business and is successful at what she does. Why the hell is it? I'm really asking that we accept poor behavior, disrespect, someone pushing you out, like really being mean potentially. And we will keep accepting it. I've heard you even say like before it really hit the fa- shit hit the fan, it was like you were kind of like in no man's land yeah. where it was like you're not loving the relationship, but there isn't necessarily a, a defining thing that pushes you to leave. And I like the amount of people that I've spoken to that are just like, it's the cheating that then made the decision it was the abuse like so even with narcissistic relationships there are people where it's like if it's just verbal abuse sometimes it's like well is this enough for me to leave and it's like if they hit me then at least it will be easier for me to say well yes they hit me so I should leave and then you'll find an excuse as you know that they hit you but it wasn't really it was an open hand slap like there's always going to be reasons I've I've listened to I was guilty of it myself for many years um, I listen to my friends sort of stay in marriages, you know, for the kids or whatever. Um, you hear it every single day. Us, everybody's sort of pushing the, it down the line. Well, I'm just going to push it 10 yards mm-hmm. down the line, 20 yards down the line. Before you know it, you're like at, like, you know, you're in, you're at the touchdown on the, on their end. Mm-hmm. And you've completely sort of lost the ability to negotiate on your own behalf. I'm like, what? Because you haven't stood up for yourself, mm-hmm. right? But it's, it's, it's defining it differently. You can't sign up for this institution unless you're prepared to follow it to the T. And I don't believe that women today or men today want to follow the old institution anymore. Mm. So why are we not defining that more clearly? Why aren't we having that discussion? Why aren't we just, why can't we have an open marriage or an open relationship as long as we define it? And I'm not saying that's for me personally, because it isn't way too jealous of, (laughs) you know, I'm like, "Mm." Um, but there's plenty of different ways to have a very successful relationship and or marriage as long as the two people involved can be candid about what their needs are and what their desires are and not attach shame to it Mm -hmm. and and say it from get. And then I think the possibilities are endless, but I still think we're sort of stuck in that old school mentality, which inevitably, by the way, 
has not served anyone. Uh, more than 50% of, of marriages end in divorce. So who is, who is the old institution really serving? Half of the community? <laughs> you know? If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Yeah, I've heard you even say like, marriage should be like a lease. You have to renew it every 10 years. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I mean, say that. <laughs> I still believe that. I mean, my friend Sam and, and Natasha and I, you know, talked about that. We were at the, uh, my lake house one night and we were, we were talking and it was, I was at my anniversary and I had been through some struggles and I had written a toast to him. And part of that toast was, I'm renewing the lease with an option to back out of that lease, right? And this was our anniversary toast and everybody thought it was hysterical, but there was a lot of truth to it because mm. the reality is this, the tell death do you part piece backs us into a corner where we can't really um, say what we, what we need to say because what we might need to say is that we're not happy and we want out. And that doesn't go along with what we signed up for. Mm -hmm. So it makes us feel like a failure and no one wants to feel that way. Yeah. 
So true. And I wonder if you don't mind, you just said, oh, I'm, I'm way too jealous for that. That surprises me. I like, I'm like, you seem so damn confident. And so jealousy actually maybe helped me think through this. I think of jealousy as being an insecurity. Um, it's not, you know, I think when you, when you've been through what I've been through in terms of going outside of the marriage and the betrayal that comes along with that and the fact that it wasn't a dialogue that, you know, we had had prior to, you know, executing. <laughs> That's very official words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it left me feeling uncomfortable and um, insecure in my my interpersonal relationships with men. And so, you know, that's something that I, I've consistently have to work on that I've carried with me. And I think so many women get this. I don't care if you're 20 or 50. Um, you know, at some point you will understand what it means to be betrayed that way. And it affects us on such a deep level because I think that we connect on such a deep level. When we give our hearts to someone women typically, it, we're all in, you know, like once we decide to make that commitment, it's like all barriers are gone. Any wall that we might have is gone. And so when that is shattered, that wall comes immediately back up. And then it sort of, as an adult, you just begin to chip away. Okay. I got to get back to where I was so that I can be a hundred percent trusting again, because how am I going to give myself to anybody else ever again? If I don't feel like I can break down that that wall. And it's a lot of work. I think actually, as you were talking, the thing that probably trips a lot of us up is I want to get back to where I was. And the truth is, if you've just had a heartbreaking experience, you're never going to go back to where you were because you are a different human now. You have had your heart broken. And so I think it actually could be more powerful to go, how do I use this to be better than who I was? Right. Right. And and it's definitely been something that I don't think I would take back. As I said, mm. had Jason and I not gone through what we went through, I don't think it, it's just another layer of who I am today that I'm, I'm kind of proud of. It's like a badge of, you know, I went through war and there's some injuries. And you, you got know? the medal to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I feel differently about a lot of things that I couldn't have have felt differently about like this institution of marriage and relationships, how I look at them now and how I want to be and how I aspire to have more, a deeper connection mm -hmm. than I had because I went through it. So for me now moving forward, that's all it's about. Um, I had to have that experience um, for someone like me, I think, to learn from it. Mm, so true. And the experience... Um the experience can be beautiful, obviously, like you said, very heartbreaking. In making the decision to leave, was um, there any shame around it from other people? None whatsoever. Um, I had a great support system, um, very much so. My family was a great support system. My friends that rallied around me were a great support system. And I would say it took me the better part of five years to fully recover um, you know, now full circle moment, my ex-husband is remarried. I've embraced the woman that he's with, um, who happens to be the woman that he had an affair with. Um, you know, I didn't speak 
to her or meet her for the first three years of, of their relationship after, you know, we broke up. So I get her. I understand why he chose her. She's quite similar to me in many facets. Um, yes, she's the younger, newer model. However, all the same things and dreams and beliefs and ideas that I had when I was her age, she has. And I think the work that he had to do and the reason they probably connected during our marriage was had everything to do with him not feeling big enough and full enough. So he had to find that 28-year-old version of me again to make him feel big enough and important enough because I had grown and I didn't make him feel big enough anymore, you know? And now he, now he gets it. Just have to take a moment. Holy smokes. Got so many questions. How? <laughs> and it wasn't about age. Like, I've never been like, oh, she's hot or younger. Like, it's never about but any how, of that. How, how do you, was that natural? Because here's the thing, though. The truth is, a thousand percent, I would go, oh, my God, I'm older. Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah. I would make it about me. I really would. How did you not make it about you? I think it's freaking beautiful. <sighs> I I mean, I won't say in the beginning that, I, you know, I I didn't have moments of that. But I really... The second I understood who she was, I went, oh my God, this has everything to do with him. This, he's meeting me all over again because he required that because he hadn't done the work. He required what I gave him in the beginning of, of our relationship when I was 25 all over again because he lost that pedestal moment of the woman in his life putting him on a consistent pedestal. Now, he's had so much growth since then, and I think he acknowledges all of that. But what I don't think he still fully acknowledges is how similar her and I actually are. The 28-year-old version of Tracy is very much, um, sim- not exactly, but sim- very, very much similarities between the two of us in terms of how we adored him and put him on a pedestal. Um the pedestal just chipped away and chipped away until there was not one left. And that left someone who needed that in order to breathe alone. So it makes sense. Like, I get it now. I know why he did what he did. And that makes it a lot easier to forgive him, move on, and, and understand. But I also have a, a man in, you know, him in my life that is doing the work to sort of understand that a little bit better. And, it, you know, we chip away at it, but, you know, we're in a really good place. And to me, that feels really good. I sort of feel like we're not a lot of, not a lot of women that have been through something similar to that can walk away from it and a few years later be having dinner with us as a family with the new wife and myself and the kids. And we all know what went down and we've recovered from it and we're stronger because of it. And that's, I think, pretty fucking cool. Dude, it's so fucking cool because... You could have postured. Oh, yeah. I, and I did. You know, in my own, on my own journey back to, like, a healthy space around it and figuring out what it was really about and, and doing the work that I've done, yeah. But it took a minute. It didn't happen overnight. Right. But how do you, how do you then greet her? So 
one, like number 762 reasons why I freaking love you is just such a woman's woman. You're like, I have women's backs. I fucking love that about you, girl. So someone who is so supportive of other women, when you see a woman that has an affair with a married man, you don't point the finger at her. You didn't say, oh my God, she's the bitch and you're going to fucking mess with me and my family. You didn't, at least now. I don't know. I'd love to hear if you did. I did. Okay. I definitely did. I had, um, I, I wouldn't, I, she might say I was vindictive. <laughs> but no, if you um, don't mind sharing, because here's the thing, God, like, it's really important for me to say this. Some people will stay in that space, having this tension, yeah. having this friction for the rest of their lives. The children grow up in a toxic environment. like Not can, healthy. Exactly. So if you don't mind being very honest and taking totally. us through, if you actually were vindictive, because to your point, you even said, Five years later, the fact that you guys can all have dinner together is so fucking cool. But I need to know how you got there. Like yeah. the real truth of how the fuck you went from my husband's had an affair to now I'm having dinner with a woman. I don't like feeling unresolved about dysfunction in my life forever. There's a period of time where I can sit with something and go, I just need to sit with this for a minute and really process this and not be reactive, but be fully invested in how I feel about it before I respond. It took me a little longer than I cared to, you know, say um, as it comes to this marriage and, and what happened between Jason and I. Um, you know, when it first went down, I was. I was angry. Um, my family was angry. And, and I would have... I would have gone so far as to say he's going to do the same thing to you. I, I, mm-hmm. I truly believed it, and I was very unhealthily tapped into, like, I was in a drain, and I just kept going down. Um, and in fairness, I think I had to go through that. I had to go through that anger phase. I was vindictive. I was miserably unhappy. Um it was it was a bizarre time in my life. And then I I took space from it. I didn't see them for a long time. I didn't communicate with uh I, I communicated with my ex-husband as it related to the children and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. And I went, well, this isn't working either for me. I don't like this. I don't like feeling like someone that I spent the better part of half my life with who I know better than his family and he knows me intimately in that sense. Like I can't live in this space of let's have fake communication about our children and keep it moving. And I don't think that he wanted that either. So I started to re-engage as did he. Um, and there was bumps in the road, you know, because we had, we didn't have boundaries and we had disconnected mm-hmm. for a while. So the, the going from the anger to the disconnect, to the re-engagement, that part was challenging because we had to now have new boundaries. We're not married anymore. How do we define that? Like, I have to have respect for your new relationship. How do I get past that? And once I started recognizing that 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 piece of it was missing and that's why our dynamic was, the re-engagement was not going as well as either of us wanted it to, that's when I finally said, it's time for me to sit down with wow. your partner. And we picked, you know, we picked a day and it was like five days and counting four days. 
48 hours, you know, yeah. and I was ready. I really wasn't nervous about it at that oh. point. I was really ready to have like a not angry conversation, but a healthy conversation. And we sat together for three hours. Um, we had some wine, we had some lunch and we just talked and, you know, she obviously took accountability, um, which I think was nice to hear, but it wasn't, um, necessarily the most important piece of the puzzle. We spoke about how can we move forward in a healthy way and sort of be the defining moment of how we all envision sort of moving forward, um, as a family. And that was something we kind of, we both agreed we wanted to be proud of. Like, wouldn't that be cool if we could be, come from a totally fucked up place and then come full circle and spend holidays together, enjoy each other's company, support each other, um, be there for my children when I can't be um, as their stepmom, all of these things. And that's what we put into the conversation. I said, it's going to take a minute. And she agreed. I said, it's not like all of a sudden we're going to be, you know, under the tree together. And then lo and behold, we were this Christmas, (laughs) Christmas morning, mimosas and, you know, opening presents over at their house. And I had a great time. But we put that out into the universe is how we sort of envisioned, wouldn't it be fucking cool if we could redefine what this looks like for every family that's been through what we've been through and felt like there's n- it's never going to be healthy again. It's going to be screwed up for these kids forever. I really wanted to see if we could do that. And so we're doing it. Fuck, oh, that's such an amazing breakdown. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for taking me through that. And also talk about what you're freaking to- uh, teaching your daughters to yeah. not be in a relationship if it doesn't work, to not hold on to a grudge, to, to actually go through a grief, but then be able to come out with uh, beauty and dignity and respect at the end. It's so fucking powerful. I have too many people in my life, and I don't know if you do, where they've divorced. 30 years later, they still can't be in the same room with each other. And I have like people in my family that are adults and they're the kids and they're like, oh yeah, shit, mom and dad are going to be in the same room today because it's my 40th birthday. And it's yeah. like, it's such a unhealthy way it's to so live. so shitty. And it's so like, again, it goes back to like old traditions and like, oh, you, obviously if you're going to get divorced, like all bets are off. And mm-hmm. why can't we recover properly? Why can't we sort of be in charge of our destiny and what, what, post-divorce looks like why can't and I've always wanted to talk about that and and I've been able to talk about it with a lot more honesty Mm. since coming clean about what I really went through and what we both went through as a couple and sort of the recovery of that because really the story that was told was I was a workaholic and he couldn't take it anymore and that was that that's it's way more complicated and relationships always are oh yeah and you even use the word recovery and what's interesting is it wasn't like you were bullshitting recovery like because what i mean is like let's just do face for the kids when the kids are around we play polite but that's bullshit it's such bullshit first of all kids are the most intuitive creatures on the planet if you think that you're fooling your kids You've got it twisted. Mm-hmm. They see it all. They mm-hmm. know everything. They know you walk in and I'm terrible at not wearing my emotions on my sleeve. 
And even when I've done my very best to fake it, like I am authentic. I, it like b- comes out of my pores, right? And, and for the families out there that feel like they've got their kids fooled when they wake up in therapy at 20, when you finally do decide to pull the trigger after years of like a bullshit facade, it's going to screw those kids up far more than living authentically that you're in an unhealthy relationship that's not working for either one of you and you're choosing to leave it. That's how you want your kids to be in their relationships. A thousand percent. And even if you don't have kids, how to fully move on Mm. if you're holding something to the past. I honestly don't see how you can if you've still got this like wound that you haven't healed. And so um, in healing it, it's not even the pretend heal, right? Or like the passive aggressiveness, right? You could have been so damn passive aggressive and like do these jabs, right? Like we said at the beginning of the interview, you even said about your friend when you do the little jabs. It's like the jabs are the thing that people don't necessarily call you on. The jabs are the things you Mm. can probably do for 10 years, right? And nobody, everyone will like feel it, but no one will actually say anything. But there's no way I could think of you being able to heal. That's the thing. I think... You know, with everything, there's like, the, the, what are the five steps? Like, you have to grieve. Mm. You have to, it's okay to be angry. Like, you got, like, the people that are, like, faking their way through all of those emotions, even as it relates to business, mm. like, it's okay to fail and fall on your face. You should experience that loss as it exactly is and as you're experiencing it. Not push it down the line because that doesn't serve you. Mm. That doesn't allow you to get back up again and feel stronger. The, I get that question all the time. Like, you know, how did you get the way? I said, because I fell on my face so many times because I did this alone. I didn't really have that many people that I related to that I could look up to. So every time I fell on my face, I did cry and I did scream and I did have too many tequilas because I lost the big deal. And I I did have a lot of things to say about it. But the truth is, by virtue of experiencing that authentically, then I was able to get back up and move on. And I think divorce and going through a breakup or going through any sort of trauma like that is similar. If you don't deal with the symptoms and experience the emotion of the loss and the anger and everything that goes along with it, then how the hell are you going to be able to move on? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, Jason and his wife were on the receiving end of <laughs> of my process. But it's 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 brought us to where we are today. So I don't I wouldn't I don't think either of them and and, and myself, I don't think we'd any of us would take any of it back. All right. So in your growth, and maybe you have, and I'd really be curious to talk about this, in your growth, sometimes like for me, I was the stay-at-home wife, submissive, do things for my husband. And then when I went into business, I went so fucking hardcore the other way that my husband was like, hey, yeah, you know, like I kind of miss the sweetness in you. Right. And so I realized, oh shit, I actually have to pull back a bit because what I did is I just went really tough, hardcore alpha in every aspect of my life. And so because I'd already been married, I had this, you know, dynamic with my husband. I actually, he was like, look, I actually really, I understand why you have to be hard in business, right? Like you're, 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 it's like you're going to war every day. He's like, so I totally get it. But at the same time, what you're doing is you're bringing that harshness back and you've lost this sweet nurturing side of you that I loved. And I was like, oh, actually, I totally understand what he means. And I did go too hard. Now with you and you saying, you were the one that was looking up to your husband on the pedestal. And over time, as you started to get more powerful, more Mm. strong, more badass, more ownership of who you are and where you want to go, and you were chipping away at that stool, and now you weren't looking up to him, 
but earlier you said about your current boyfriend mm. where you're basically the hard nut right i mean mm-hmm. i'll use my own words you're the one that's the boss the fucking lady we're doing this but also you're looking to him to be like but hang on a minute i want you to also handle it how are you like going to navigate the two of like you're a fucking badass but actually you do want people to lead as well he naturally is a leader and I think the difference between uh, the younger generations and the 20, I mean, I'm with a 28 year old. Yeah, sorry, I forgot <laughs> to actually give context there. Uh, but I think men in his generation are a little bit different. I think they're inspired by women, um, like myself. And I think they're, and that's why, you know, year over year, every single year, you're seeing more and more women in relationships with younger men. So I think there is a different level of confidence that, you know, my husband's generation, ex-husband's generation did not have, um, where, again, this comes down to wage gap equality. Like, each generation is experiencing it differently. Um, and obviously, because I'm, I'm my age, you know, the way I grew up, it was just a gap, period, the end. I mean, I was raised in a household where my dad was the boss, my mom was also a boss, but at home. And that was very, that was very, very clear and it was very black and white. And I think Eric is a great example of, of being a part of a generation where, you know, you can look up to a a woman at making money and someone that's successful and be like, go for it. And he's always empowered me and we've been together for three years. And I will say he knows when I'm falling off the ledge. What do you mean by falling off the ledge? Like whether I'm exhausted because I've worked, you know, four weeks in a row, 80 or 90 hour weeks, and I've been traveling for work and I'm coming home depleted with like nothing left to give mm-hmm. are moments where, you know, for example, I came home from a work trip a couple months back and there was a bath run for me, a glass of wine and sushi was already at the house, like waiting. And so I like came in, I got in the tub and I was like, you know, these are things that, you know, maybe financially he can't, you know, fly me on a private jet to another foreign country and, you know, give me that type of experience. But, but the simplicity in what he is able to give me from an emotional standpoint and from a giving standpoint was so much more actually about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my well-being than it was about, I'm going to be showy and take you here, there, and buy you this handbag or send you on this trip. And, you know, to me, that's, it's it's good for my soul. It's It's what I need in my life to be, to feel balanced. I don't know if I would find that in someone my age. That's fascinating. I don't know if you know this, but um, one of the big things in relationships and knowing whether it's going to succeed or not is if the partner feels seen or not. Yeah. I mean, I I totally believe that. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I'm very supportive of his career. Um, He works nonstop. Um, But I think what he brings to my life and in terms of giving back, and I don't think either of us ever thought that this relationship was going to be as what it was. It's blossomed into something that I think neither of us had anticipated. But out of that has come something so beautiful. And and whether or not it's, you know, till death do you part or however long we make a choice to be together, 
um, these, those moments are so important. Like he brings me back down to earth and reminds me that I need to sleep. I need to take care of myself. I need to do things that are good for my well-being and my health and my wellness versus, you know, being out in the public eye at the right restaurants and, you know, having the right handbag or any of that shit, which mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I see a lot of people, particularly in LA, that are focused on all of those things. Did you have to face judgment when you started dating him because he was so much younger than you? Absolutely. How did you deal with that? I told him to eat shit. <laughs> True. But yeah, you I did. Go. I, did. I, I really, I really did not give a fuck. I, I just, I just didn't. And not at all. No. Even people close to you. No. No, I really didn't because if you know Eric and the people that know me intimately that have an actual relationship with him and made an effort to really get to know him, know who he is. He's a he's a deep down an incredibly solid human being, sometimes more so than, you know, the men that are my age. And so when you have a foundation like that for like a solid human, um, the people that I said know us intimately are like, he's a good guy. Now, whether or not you guys end up together forever is 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 not the point. You're in a relationship that's much healthier than the relationships you've been in in the past. And we like this for you. You're healthy. You're happy. You've never felt better. You're rested. I'm not going out all the time. I'm I'm more successful. I'm more productive. Like this is because the man in my life is there supporting me and lifting me up and, and also sort of drawing a line saying, I don't really think that you need to like, we need to go out tonight. Mm. Like I think actually it would be nice if we just spent some time alone. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, it's nice to kind of have that and, and sort of be brought back down. Mm. How are you able to build trust back again from your last relationship and now being in this new relationship? Honestly, I, I, uh, that's again a daily sort of stay in your body, try not to go back to the trauma of what that was and trust that if it does happen again, you'll make the decision that's right for you and you won't wait five years to do it, mm. right? Um, I don't think in relationships we can ever fully trust that someone isn't going to do something outside of the bounds of what your agreement is between the two of you. Um, How are you going to trust yourself then to hold true to that? Well, I guess I have to find out, right? <laughs> Hopefully like, you don't, but... Right? But yeah. assuming that I'm presented with that scenario again, there won't be... Uh, um, uh, there won't be second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances yeah the reason why i ask is i think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they've been cheated on it's like wow i don't trust myself anymore i don't trust myself that i'm going to be able to spot it that i'm going to be able to leave again or that i'm not going to be able to lose myself again i in totally a relationship. relate to that on every level i think that any woman or man that's been through that and has been truly betrayed and and really caught off guard um, is a really difficult recovery process to fully trust again. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm 100% there. I don't know if I ever will be, um, but I have to try and I have to give myself to it fully. And the only way to find out if you're capable of it is by virtue of experiencing it. Mm-hmm. I heard you say, though, that the judgment always came from women. Yeah, you know... Um, This is an interesting topic because 
so for so long, you know, being sort of the feminist that I am, I've looked at men as being the reason uh, that we are not, you know, equal on all fronts. And over the course of the last few years, I've done some soul searching on that and just even looking at the women around me, um, women across the board on social media channels. And I've recognized that, you know, the competitive nature between women to get to the top is one piece of the puzzle. And then I also think, again, my generation, the generation in front of me and the generation in front of that generation are all still, everybody's behind their little computer on social media, sitting in the dark, judging. Mm -hmm. I think the the younger generations are a little bit um, different. Uh, But I think women typically are our biggest challenge today. I think there's a a problem with the way that we all grew up and, and it's very difficult to break out of those patterns because we were raised in that. At, at 47 years old, for me to be who I am every single day and be this feminist, uh, it's like work. I've had to like challenge myself in certain areas and be like, well, why can't? I remember I hired, here's an example. I hired a new agent on my team by the name of Shelby. Shelby I met in Mexico at a, a 50th birthday party. She's 25 or 20, she was 25 or 26 at the time. Gorgeous model, you know, great on social media and Instagram, but a model nonetheless. And a couple years later, she came to me and wanted to sell real estate. Smart girl, totally has the charisma for it. But you know, it was the first thing I did. I started saying, well, she's going to have to like, stop modeling and doing the whole bikini thing Mm. on social media to be taken seriously. And then I was like, no, no. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I did the same fucking thing. And, and by the way, every, you know, the people that surrounded me in business were like, Ooh, you know, she's really going to have to reel back on, you know, cause she couldn't possibly be successful in real estate and wear a bikini. Now, granted there's, you're not going to wear a bikini to a listing appointment, but perception is everything. And I said, well, then if I'm going to stand here and say that all of the things that I'm saying about being a feminist and I should be able to wear a half top and, and make, you know, $10 million a year, then I have to also get behind the women underneath me that are doing the same thing and actually elevate them, support them, and make them into the little bosses that they are. And that's exactly what she's doing. I, I said to her, I even told her, you know, pretty much this story. And I said, there's no reason for you to have two separate accounts. You do you. And, you know, as long as you show up to work and give it 110%, I don't care what perception of you, what the perception of you is online. I care that you know what you're talking about when you walk into the room, that you're connected and that you are ready to talk to this client about their home and how you can best service them. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. And she has that in spades. Now, if she did not have that charisma or that ability to connect, that would be a different story. But she had it. So the one thing that was holding her back was that she was a bikini model. And not just a bikini model, but, you know, but there were a lot of of these pictures of her online. Well, that's bullshit. Why can't she be both? And so I had to really second guess myself and remind myself that, 
I, it doesn't stop right there. And I think that's a big part of where the older generations look at some of, even me, they look at me and say, you, you can't wear that and be successful at the same time. Well, why the hell not? I'm actually currently doing it, you know? And I think that's part of what my new messaging is. It's talking to women about really supporting each other because I think that's kind of like, it's kind of bullshit. Like we say we support each other to a point, but then don't, don't be too feminine. Don't be too comfortable with your own body. You're still a mom. What kind of mom are you if you dress like that? All of these types of comments are completely farcical when it comes to, you know, talking about women online. And, and it, it, it's made me absolutely bananas crazy. So now it's, it's like all I, I want to focus on and talk about because we can't point the finger at men forever for holding each other back. We have to elevate each other and be able to be all of the things that we are. And that includes boobs and a butt and a pair of heels and however we feel like doing our hair and makeup. That's what makes us women. We have, we are in completely different than men. And we have to celebrate all of those differences, not just how they fit into being an old version of becoming a feminist. I love your energy around this. I feel the same and I don't know how to talk about it because I have a freaking show called Women of Impact. My whole life is dedicated to supporting women, elevating women, helping women. And yet people sometimes still watch this show, homie. And there's mm. people across the sea and they just, in the comments, rip the, the woman apart or rip me apart. What the hell's up with this woman's hair? Or like, why does she <coughs> talk in a squeaky voice? Um, I had one uh, guest who was a doctor. She was giving advice on how women can help with their hormones and self-care, right? So her whole life is dedicated to helping women and their hormones. Mm. And the comments is because she wore a crop top. Story Literally, of my life. Women in the freaking comments... Oh, guys, I read the comments. I read the freaking <laughs> comments. In the comments, they were like, I can't take this woman seriously because she's showing her belly. How can she, if she wasn't showing her boobs, I would take her advice more seriously. And I'm like, you're, you're watching- the reason we are totally fucked. Like that is the bottom line. Because at the end of the day, if we're the ones elevating each other, and call it 50 per, and, and I'm shooting statistics out without any. So 50% of us are, are really truly elevating women as a whole. But the other 50% are saying, I'm, I'm here to elevate you if you do it the old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. I don't, but outside, you sound like you're smart and you have your shit together and you've done all the things. And here's the list of all of your accomplishments. I'm here for that. So long as you do it the way I say you should do it, because traditionally that's the way it was done. Yeah. As long as you do it within my value system. Right. And that's where it's like, it's so damn important to keep talking about this sort of thing. And even with the show, I try to have as many diverse types of women as I possibly can, because here's what I'm not saying. Every woman should go and have business and be a badass and crush it in work. No, no, no. What life do you want 
and what the hell is holding you back? I got you. That's what this show is about. Right. And so even with what we're talking about today, it's been about relationships, it's been about business, it's been about uh, friendships. But the whole point is how the hell, Tracy Tudor, do you stand up and be a freaking like strong woman on a daily basis when you're getting all this stuff coming at you? Whether this stuff is other women hating on you, whether it's, you know, you finding out that your husband's cheated on you, whatever that stuff is, how the hell do you keep showing up? Because a lot of women don't. You've just shared over an hour, God knows how long, of all the tactics and tips that you do. That's what I want to keep focusing on, right? Hey, you at home, stop writing a comment about, oh my God, I can't believe she dates someone that's 20 years younger. Why do you care? And it's so damn disheartening, girl. It's so damn disheartening to think that because of our own belief system, if it doesn't align with what, you, you know, if what you do doesn't align with my belief system, then I'm only going to tear you down. Why not freaking support? Yeah, I mean, I think what I find is it only inspires me to keep doing it. The haters on you inspires you. It only inspires me to keep having the dialogue, keep dressing the way I want to dress, whether that's in a crop top, which I get a lot of shit for, or, uh, you know, wearing a skirt that's, whatever that looks like to the women. If I keep doing it, they will eventually tie, as long as I'm, <laughs> as long as I'm still speaking um, from the same mindset, as long as I'm still successful, as long as my messaging is no different, eventually they'll kind of go, okay, well, I guess she's as smart as I thought she was. And I guess the, the top that she's wearing is sort of irrelevant, isn't it? And, and that's mm. sort of my mission to continue to if I stop doing what I'm doing, then that dialogue isn't had until the next woman that comes along that maybe doesn't have the balls to stand up for themselves quite yet because they're a little bit younger. And so then you're always conforming. And if we don't stand up and not conform to what these old ideals were, then we're never going to actually change the whole system. Mm. And so to me, it's always going to be continue, like, y'all inspire me. The more you talk shit, the more I'm going to continue to be exactly who I am, exactly, say exactly what I'm thinking all of the time and just be 100% authentic. And it seems to be working. So, fuck yeah, girl. And I, um, I don't want to presume... But I do feel like sometimes a lot of the hate just comes from insecurity, right? It's like, I I wish I had the confidence to dress like that. I wish I had the confidence to just say, yeah, I'm divorced. I'm going to go after a guy who's 20 years younger than me. Like, And so because maybe people don't have the confidence, the um, the flip side is to actually say why it's wrong because now they don't, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I mean, I think we yourself. all, we all know that, right? Like, you know, social media trolls, it's, you know, they're all insecure. And that's a very easy way to compartmentalize them, right? And so that we can move on with mm -hmm. our day. But the truth is we have to, the, social media is how people communicate. It is a big part of how we're all out there and having success that we're having. And if we don't continue to have the dialogue on how to shift that narrative, then we're not going, we're going to continue to have sort of these internet trolls that actually are valued. There's value there. There's a reason these different blogs and, and social media accounts are created. There's a reason bots are, you know, these are things mm. are successful because people buy into it. And what we don't want to see is people buying into it anymore. So in order, in my opinion, in order to stop that bullshit, 
We have to keep stepping up, keep stepping out of our comfort zones, continue to battle this in an effective way so that, you know, we change the actual dynamic. We shift their opinion. And more often than not, when I do have a dialogue with a troll for whatever reason, not every time, but more often than not, they'll say, wow, I just never really thought that you would actually respond to this. Sorry. And I'm not, I'm not emotionally affected by it either way, but it's more of a shift of, I'd rather connect with you and explain to you that the reason I will continue to do this is so that I can shift your mindset about it. I'm not here to upset you. I'm here to shift your mindset that I can be many, many things. And those things include sexiness, funny, and really fucking smart at the same time. Like, why can't we have all three? Why, if, why, if you're smart and successful as a woman in business, do you have to be one note? I'm over it. Where's that um, fine line between um, helping them, right? Like, actually, I think that if I say this, maybe I'm opening a door that you haven't seen before and defending yourself. I mean, I think in some cases, you know, when they, when it's tapped into my relationship with my children, um, uh, I definitely have a little bit of a different messaging messaging surrounding that. But my kids are also old enough to um, have their own minds on social media. And like I said, they're little feminists in the making. And so they can speak quite eloquently um, and in a way that has worked, I think, wonders. Because obviously I can also not be a good mom because I work too hard and I dress too sexy. So therefore I'm setting a bad example for my girls. Both my girls are unbelievably successful in their own right. They're good kids. They get good grades. They're on an incredible path of their own, and they're thriving. And they'll chime in when they feel like it on their own. And and I I can't tell you the amount of times I've read some of Juliet's responses um, on social media to different people, and I'm blown away with what she's been able to say. And I think, you know... So are my followers, candidly. Mm. Like, wow, this little 17-year-old has uh, quite a bit to say and is really effective. I mean, God help everyone when she's 25. You know what I mean? She learned the lessons from her mom. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like really having the skills to defend yourself in certain moments or having the skill to let something roll off your back. Like, if this such, and this is really, you know, beautiful full circle of where we started from. I find it even now sometimes difficult for myself. Um, and a lot of it, that's why I'm actually leaning in a lot into health. Because I'm like, if I'm just tired, if I haven't eaten, if I'm overwhelmed, I'm way less likely to let something roll off my back and then like defend myself if someone comes at me, like come at me, bro. Yeah. Right? Like I'm more likely to do that on days that I'm not feeling great and exhausted versus on days that I'm feeling confident because I've had a great sleep, I've had a great day, whatever. Like in those moments, I'm more likely to let it roll off my back. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um because this has now become more recently a mission of mine, I'm conscious of that. So despite how I'm feeling that day, I'll really try to shift. I'm beginning a shift in how I, how I react to mm. these types of comments because my, my bigger goal is to sort of have women realize that by, we're holding ourselves back yeah. by doing this to each other. Um, we're our, we should be our biggest advocates, not the reason that we're still not there. 
Yeah, and even in what you were just saying, it's like, if someone said, I can't take you seriously because you wear heels and you wear low-cut tops versus you can't be a good mum because you wear heels and low-cut tops. I assume that the impact it has on you, to your point of like, when it's to my kids, obviously they're older now, but when they were younger, did you have more of that like protection? Like, okay, now you've actually triggered the thing inside me that's not gonna, I can't let this roll off my back. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're my babies and, you know, I feel very responsible, uh, along with Jason, for the women that they're becoming. And, and, you know, when your kids become teenagers, it's like a whole different world. Like, you're lucky enough to be graced by their presence. They have ideas of their own. They have their own thoughts. They, you know, you're like old. And they have their own vision of how they want their life to be. Now, I could either take that and be offended by it. But honestly, I embrace that in them. And so when they were younger, these types of comments would get at me a little bit more. But now, because they follow me so closely in my business and and really what I am all about is women empowering other women, they're like my little empowerment chicks. So Scarlett a little bit less so. And again, she's only 14, but Juliet's like 17 going on like 30. She's just like, listen, here's how I'm going to put it to you, ladies. And she'll, you know, chime in on her own. And and that sort of affirms that without me having to say it, that the little women that I have raised, I've raised really well. And they're making good decisions. They know how to speak on behalf of themselves. They know how to elevate themselves. And they know how to be heard. Um, and that to me is is... The job speaks for itself. I don't have to defend it. Mm, I love that but because I don't have children, like the mama bear effect is very fascinating to me because every time I hear about pretty much any badass, powerful woman, it's always just like, well, I kind of let things slide off my back if people are insulting me, if people are doing this to me. Like we always kind of let the things go when it's happening to you. But when it happens to someone in your life or someone you really care about, like I can't even remember the stats. I'm going to pull something out of my ass right now. But it's something like 70% of women are more likely to fight for their colleagues' pay raise than their own pay raise. Um, because you're more likely as a woman to advocate for someone else over yourself. What would you suggest if you weren't a mother of like, or in fact, anybody of how we start to actually advocate for ourselves? Sells first. Right. I mean, it's so true. I was watching this Korean new show. You guys got to say it's called Glory. Mm. And it's about, it's it's obviously in South Korea, but it, it's about a young girl who was bullied by some high school students and she spends the better part of 20 years coming back for revenge. And it's really good. <laughs> but wow. there's this instinctual thing, I think, that happens with women and I don't know, maybe not for every woman, but for me, since I was a kid, if there is an underdog, I am their protector. If there is someone that isn't getting paid equally, then I'm coming to bat for them. Like, I've just always been that way. And I used to attribute it to just being a woman. And that's part of just like our makeup and who we are. But um, I definitely have not advocated for myself early enough as a young you know, entrepreneur coming into business, mm-hmm. it took me until now to finally start beginning to, you know, advocate for myself in the last, call it, eight years of my career. But the first 15 years of my career, 
I spent advocating for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the truth. Um, and so, you know, again, the reason why I wrote the book, um, and the re- and you and I had talked about this before, I really wanted young women to connect to it because I didn't have that book or that mentor that I understood or that I related to because, you know, they said fuck every so often. I was like, oh, they make mistakes. They're not just polished 100% of the time. They speak with authenticity. I didn't really have anyone to look up to growing up. So I fell on my face 150 times and had to figure out how to get back up and, and become successful. I don't want the 20 somethings of the world to, to have, to go through what I went through. Like we can cut that in half by, you know, talking to each other, supporting each other, advocating for each other and for ourselves starting, you know, outside of college or even outside of high school, um, rather than when you're 38. So a little late. Yeah. A little late to the game, you know? Mahomi, I could talk to you forever. Where can people find you and all the great stuff you're you doing? You can find me uh, on social media at Tracy Tudor on almost all channels. Um, and also, if, you know, again, looking for any sort of real estate opportunities at uh, www.tracytudor.com.